Hi, I'm Asia Labas and this is Listen to Your Art, a podcast that aims to understand the world through the prism of art. As a maker, as a designer, as a creator, you can each micro decision you make has an impact how the product is designed and like the impact it has on people. So whilst realizing that intuitively, it became so important to be creating the best possible product, the best possible wardrobe, the best possible um, putting something in the world that truly has an impact of making the world a better place. You just heard Nina Vollhaber, the co-founder of the ethical brand A-Day. Nina is from Germany and met few years ago Megan E. in London. At that time, they were working in finance at Goldman Sachs. They were 26, had a stable and comfortable lifestyle, but it wasn't enough. The two women got into a challenging project, starting a clothing brand for women like them. Active, working and looking for great basics, the kind of clothes you will wear all the time and that will never go out of style. It became A-Day in 2015. They describe it as a technical, seasonless and sustainable wardrobe. And they were right to take that risk because in 2016, they were listed as one of the 30 brightest entrepreneurs in retail and e-commerce under 30 by the Forbes magazine. A-Day's story proves the importance of having businesswomen on board when you're about to start a company and that sustainability cannot be the only focus. I met Nina at their office in Soho to talk about her inspiring story and the one of their brand. So let's listen to Nina. Hi, Nina. Hi, it's nice to meet you and see you. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here uh, at A-Day. So can you tell me a little bit where we are like right now? It's your office, it's your showroom. Uh, we are at Canal Street in New York. Sure, it's a little bit of both. So our office on 264 Canal Street is a very gorgeous fourth floor walk-up uh, elevator building and walk-up if you like but we've also converted it into a showroom situation let's say it's not its own dedicated showroom but you can definitely come here and shop and there's a little bit of noise in the background because we actually have a customer here right now okay. buying a day and um yeah it's a it's a little hard to find but it's a great spot for our new york audience to come and check us out live so can you introduce yourself like a little bit who are you and what are you doing at a day sure my name is Nina. I'm one of the two co-founders and co-CEOs of Ede. Uh, Meg is my other better half. Um, I'm, I grew up in Germany. Um, I'm now 31 years old. Um, I'm a woman. Um, not that it matters, but maybe it does. Um, there's been more and more female entrepreneurs in New York, so I guess I'm one of them. And um, grew up in Germany, lived in London, now in New York in Ede has offices in New York and in London. A-Day is um, a direct-to-consumer brand, meaning we're online first and online only and um, distribute directly to our customers. And um, our mission is to lift the standard for clothing. And we're doing that by creating what we think of a better wardrobe should be like. And when we say better, we mean better fabrics, so functional fabrics that are breathable and long-lasting, that are better for the woman who wears them because they're um, comfortable and versatile and then also better for the environment because our pieces are long-lasting, they're minimal, they're essential, they're basics, they are designed to not be 
coming and going each season, but they're designed to last through the seasons and really be in your closet forever. And so how would you describe a little bit like the clothes, like the colors and the style, like for what kind of woman it is? Uh, how would you describe it? Yeah, our vision is, is really to create a better staples wardrobe, better essentials wardrobe. So if you, most pieces are pretty minimally designed, meaning they have a lot of staple colors, blacks and whites and navies and like a lot of the favorite colors that people love to have in their closet as essentials and basics and wear every day. Um, because we don't want them to be trendy and we don't want them to be seasonal. We want them to be in the closet forever. And um, the kind of woman who buys them, it's, um, I think what our customer, what really unites our customer is a mindset. And that mindset is, it's, you could call it, a millennial global mindset of a woman who controls her own schedules and who has um, who's followed her passion probably at, at some point and for that reason has her wardrobe can be um, has to be there for her and can be casual enough um, but yet comfortable and professional looking to be following her anywhere. So it's perfect for you, for example. I'm sure that now you're wearing a day. It's something that you wanted to make clothes that you could wear, like something like that. Totally, and that was our starting point. So we essentially started the brand for ourselves. And my co-founder Meg and I didn't come from fashion backgrounds at all. Um, we actually met at Goldman Sachs in London, and then. After that, both of us worked in the venture capital industry, and Meg was um, at an e-com startup in, in San Francisco as well. So both were really not in the fashion world at all, um, but we wanted a better wardrobe. And I can go a little bit back more in the story why we wanted to. So I um, grew up in Germany, as I said, and growing up, I was a gymnast. And as a gymnast, I always wore very comfortable, easy. At the time, it was a lot of Nike clothing, and my wardrobe felt always really simple and was never an issue. And then in London, as a grown-up woman, um, clothing all of a sudden became complicated, right? Like, I started buying a bunch of fast fashion and filled my closet with a lot of stuff, and I would open my closet doors in the morning, and even though I had a bunch of stuff, I had nothing to wear, because all of the things I've bought, I just didn't, they weren't really the things that I wanted to have for a long time, and they weren't comfortable, and they weren't, they, they didn't have the simplicity and ease that my childhood wardrobe had. Um... Yeah, that was a grown-up woman, so I didn't want to wear Nike logos anymore. Of course. <laughs> and Meg, at the time, after Goldman, she had moved to California. And in California, people um, took her on hikes and to yoga classes. And she had actually, in her entire life, never worn a comfortable technical wardrobe. Um, but over there, she tried on Lululemon yoga pants and found them really comfortable, but also didn't want to wear, walk around in Lululemon yoga pants every day. So when we started talking about... Um, the fact that our technical and easy, comfortable wardrobes were so segregated from our um, from our everyday normal closets, um, we were surprised that there was no brand out there that connected the two and that would create, use the functional fabrics and the better, long-lasting fabrics, but design pieces that you could truly wear every day. Um, and so we started going out and doing that ourselves. Yeah. And so I also interesting because sustainable fashion is something mm -hmm. that really. It became an awareness. I mean, people get interested in it since uh, some tragedy like the Hannah Plaza in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, like, did you were you aware of how clothes were were made, the impact that it have on the envir environment, and also like, was it something that you wanted to work on, like, make better mm -hmm. brand, clothing brand to change also the fashion industry? Yeah, very good question. So we came at this with no fashion background. So. 
asking me how if we were aware how clothes were made is a really good question because we were actually not that honestly we came from tech and we didn't realize there were so many people involved but the way we built the supply chain in the beginning is we completely we booked a flight to Paris to went to a bunch of fabric shows we booked a flight to Portugal to find a factory we booked a flight to LA to find another factory so we went in person to all the people and met them we met the mills in Italy we made sure that we met people in person and like stood on the manufacturing floors and talked to the people and only then realized how a how many people were involved in making clothing and b um, what the processes are like and I think what led us to uh, incorporating sustainability from the beginning on as something that um, was important in how we make the product was just kind of that experience in the beginning of seeing it and going then choosing making choices that always went for we want to go for the best of the best so for example on the fabric side we looked at hundreds of different fabrics but then chose the ones that we felt like would be the longest lasting and on the factory side we looked at so many different factories but chose some that were really advanced on the technological side but also had solar panels on the under roof which we thought was really cool so it came more like organically as opposed to we didn't go out in the beginning we're like oh we want to build a cinema fashion brand it was more whilst we were building this functional, better wardrobe brand, mm-hmm. we realized how important it was. Okay. And then I would say like, for me personally, um, it was also just like intuition and like seeing the world move and like actually realizing the responsibility you have as a, um, not just responsibility, responsibility and the opportunity you have as a designer and creator, because ultimately, it's not just about politicians. I mean, politicians should make, better make amazing decisions for sure. But um, meanwhile, it's not just relying on the politicians. As a maker, as a designer, as a creator, you can each micro decision you make has an impact how the product is designed and like the impact it has on people. So whilst realizing that intuitively, it became so important to be creating the best possible product, the best possible wardrobe, the best possible, um, putting something in the world that truly has an impact of making the world a better place. Um, and so planet Earth being like such, you know, being so important and um, the thing that is ignored by many, many politicians, it became so important that that would be really, really core. Yeah, and then there's more to it, which I and usually ask Gershman, there's more to it, which I also want to talk about, which is the the team that we started hiring and like how they have impacted um, becoming better and better on the sustainability side over time. So how old is the brand today? So we launched in 2015, three years. Okay, mm-hmm. and so as a person, like as a mm-hmm. woman, you were you had your job before and you mm-hmm. were living in London, mm-hmm. and Mega as well, she had her life. So when did you decide? So okay, I'm going to quit everything mm-hmm. and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to take the leap. And I mean, people around you, your friends, your parents, or I don't know, like they were like telling you like, oh my god, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, like. Uh, maybe say oh yeah yeah go for it and also like what strength and did you had and maybe were you a little bit anxious about it like yeah. you know like hesitating so can you tell me like also like yeah. how you were and yeah, you yeah. decided to do that yeah it was it was it was funny because I was uh, Mech had done her MBA at Stanford and like just started a, a job um in Silicon Valley at an e-com company at Poshmark and um I had done I'd been in banking and then at a venture capital fund and then was sort of at a point where I knew that I had used my left brain side so much in my career but like what I was really missing was the creative bits Mm -hmm. and remembering how much I actually loved the creative parts as well Um, and I was at a point where I would definitely knew I wanted to 
do something. Like, I needed to create something. And um, I did um, find this idea being something that had, like, a super tangible place in the market. But I also, in parallel, applied to business schools, and I got into HBS. <laughs> so, And then Meg had to move to London for personal reasons, and we were at a point where either... I was going to go to HBS and do the standard thing of going to Harvard Business School and like doing an MBA and doing a standard, prestigious, standard prestigious path or taking a leap and doing this, which is starting a clothing company. And I was so convinced and I think Meg was also kind of convinced, but I had to sit her down and was like, we have nothing to lose. Like I could, you know, I would quit my job anyways and do the MBA thing, which seems to be a pretty standard but boring path <laughs> and she had to move back to London anyways and we were 26 at the time so no children no you know nothing to nothing to lose really so it just felt like the right time and I don't think that I had a minute of oh I'm not sure like it's the, the risk too high because why not like and you can always get a job again and the fact to be to to have a partner yeah much it helped a hundred percent like it was so important and it was so great to have that um i think it's i think it's a personality thing absolutely and in the future now having started a company maybe i would start something by myself now but i think as a first company and starting with someone together who you trust who you've worked with before way more fun and it's way more yeah it's way more rewarding and so people around you they were all saying yeah go for it or like so that's the thing like I think for me because I also had gotten into habit business school that was obviously something very prestigious and fun so my dad was a little like so <laughs> what is this um but I don't you know my parents have always been very much supportive of whatever I would do so they didn't really have a problem with it I think only but I think it took after it took until launch for them to be like oh there's actually a product that they're creating and now my mom is one of our best customers has the entire thing <laughs> has the entire eight-day wardrobe and so our parents are fully supportive so has Meg's mom so it was an idea and then it, it became uh, like more than a project it became like a company so. yeah so how was the beginning? Like, what was the first step for you? Yeah, our step number one was the Pinterest board. <laughs> we needed to make sure that we had the same things in our heads. And we created a Pinterest board when Meg was still in, in SF and I was in London. And just like both pinned a bunch of stuff and felt like we were aligned. Um, and then step number two was literally crawling our, like thinking really hard about our current network of people and who knew a tiny little bit about fashion who could help us and that ranged from I had done a sportswear design course at Central St. Martins in London like a super short weekend course but um, had met through that a professor of sportswear design in in London and we asked her a bunch of questions we knew some other entrepreneurs in like consumer tech and we asked them questions I think the beautiful thing in the beginning of um any startup or any venture is that because you're at kind of zero, mm -hmm. everyone's willing to help you. <laughs> or like a lot of people are willing to help you. Not everyone because people are short in time and etc. but a lot of people are willing to help you. And especially those that are a little older, that have a lot of experience in their career, that have done and seen a lot of things, they're happy to share back. Okay. And did you have like also need the investment? If there's the idea, but also needed money to like create everything so how also it yeah. was uh, important to have this 
base, you know, to yeah. make it possible. Yeah, it was good that we had saved some money from our previous jobs, for sure. I think some people like to start companies out of school. I think that's possible too. For us, I think it was important to have had a few years because we definitely financed it, self-financed in the beginning. And then we had um, our, our first couple, couple of checks of investments came from our previous bosses, which was really nice, which was like a vote of confidence of our previous bosses who were both Megs and mine, who um, were like, you know, we don't care what they're starting. We trust that they're good, skilled people because they had worked with us. And so... Um, I always recommend entrepreneurs to not go, you know, especially first-time entrepreneurs, to not go too far and try, like, the crazy venture capital funds in the beginning, but, like, really work with your own network first because those are the people who know you, your previous bosses, colleagues, people who've, who've seen you execute. Okay. And so at the beginning, uh, about... Did you start to, like, make sketches of, like, the clauses? Uh, because you are based in New York, but in... It was London, in London. In London, yeah. yeah. It was... Today, there's the designers of A-Day. So, yeah. who is, like, for you, at the very beginning, like, who design, who draw, like, the, the clauses, yeah. everything, and how... And also, you talked to me about, like, going to Portugal, to, yeah. like, the factory. So, how was, like... What, how did it happen next? Yeah, yeah, it was quite funny. So we had done that Pinterest board, and then um, from that sportswear design weekend course, I had like, and I hadn't didn't learn like proper design skills. But what it did do, they forced us to sit down and like draw out some shapes. So I had drawn out five shapes. Um, but then Meg and I were when we had done our Pinterest board, we we said, okay, we need a real designer. Like we can't just draw stuff out and do it ourselves. We need someone who really knows technical design. And then we found someone on Instagram, who a woman, an amazing woman named Charlie Cohen, who was early 20s at the time and had her own sportswear brand. And we asked her, because our vision for the brand was, um, our vision for the brand was to only launch with seven styles, a very edited wardrobe. So we knew we didn't at the time need a full-time designer to do that. We just needed the seven and then get them to development. So we pinked Charlie, knew that she had her own um, fashion line, but we asked her if she wanted to work with us for a day a week to get those out, and she was up for it. So she helped us design the first seven pieces we launched with. Charlie was our first one, and then we hired our first full-time designer um, like about two months before launch, because... In design, you always have to still, even if you're a direct to consumer brand, you have to work far ahead. So we needed to start thinking about the second year, etc. And our first full-time designer um, is still to date here. She's in London, Mali. Um, and she was actually, I found her on uh, her portfolio um, on the internet because she was a student. <laughs> and I tweeted at her. And Ada was her first job out of university. Um, one other person who was the first full-time hire just even before the designer, before Millie, her name is Kelsey, and she had previously been at Everlane and actually oh, specialized yes. in product development and production. Can you tell a little bit what Everlane is for the people who don't It's a, um, a company that is focused on essentials, on staples. Um, so no technical, not like our fabrics are all technical and breathable. Everlane's is more like your classic tea and your classic, um, 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 like, normal, like, work pants and like a cashmere sweatshirt and things like that and um, Kelsey was focused on product development and for us and this is like a little bit to that minimalism point for us our design process I think a normal fast fashion brands a fast fashion brands design process is oftentimes design maybe like a round or two of developments and then get it out there ours is design 
-hmm. is pretty fast, but then the long process is actually the development. So we make a sample, we try it on people, we make another sample, we adjust, because we don't just want to get out any shirt, we want to get out a pers the best possible perfect fit, because we want the piece to be on the shelf for a long time. So can you tell me about the fabric that mm -hmm. you use? Uh, what is it exactly? And that is because I, I like the fact that it's kind of like you say, it's like a futuristic uh, mm -hmm. fabric. People are inspired. It's Megan who wrote that about Star Wars. It's like the, the closest of the futures. Um, So the, the core difference is they're all technical. So think about um, a Nike wardrobe. Um, I would say the difference between Nike and a fashion brand is Nike is, is more of a product company, right? Um, and the fabrics are designed to be um, versatile, uh, to be breathable or to be sweat wicking or to last a long time. And so that's generally the fabrics we're working with. So our mills are mostly in Italy and some in Taiwan. And they're all specialized in um, making performance fabrics. But then we use performance fabrics that are designed or design them in everyday shapes to create these Star Wars kind of... Um, yeah. And what is the type of fabric? Like, is it... Uh, it's not cotton? It's, uh, what is it? So a lot of them are polyester or polyamides. A lot of them are recycled polyesters. And then now we recently launched some Modal. And, um, do you know Modal? No. Modal is um, a plant-based fabric derived from the beechwood tree. Um, made in Switzerland, ours. It's a micro-modal, so it's better than cotton. The problem with cotton is that it uses a ton of water, and therefore cotton is actually ranked pretty low on the sustainability scale. And also, it's not very long-lasting. It's not a, it's not a, it's just not a great fabric to, I think it's gotten a lot of like backlash in the, in the fashion industry. And so our first plant-based one, we wanted it to be better than cotton. We wanted it to feel better than cotton and we also wanted it to be much more sustainable. So micromodal is, was the solution and it's getting technical now, but micromodal is a, um, a fabric that is derived from the beechwood tree. It feels super duper duper soft and it can be very sustainably um, farmed. You also really have to look out like who you're working with. Mm -hmm. So in our case, we work with Lensing in Switzerland, um, and they have an award-winning system that is closed-loop and carbon neutral in the making of the of, of model. Um, yeah, and then a lot of our fab, but the majority is poly polyamides and polyesters, and um, the majority, and this is very important to us. It's been a big project in um, making all of those yarns recycled. Um, and so a lot of them are now recycled. And that when I say recycled, I mean that um, it's coming from either fishnets or plastic bottles. Um, so fishnets in the ocean or plastic bottles in the ocean are collected and they worked into yarn and then that's worked into fabric to create something that is very um, closed loop. Um. And so you also made sure about the factories, like, you were, like the condition of the people who work there, like yeah. how aware are you of what's the condition there? Yeah, we know every, every single one of our factory, factories in person. I think it's much easier when you're a younger brand um, because we built it bottom up. Um, actually, in the beginning, Meg and myself went to every single one, and now that we've grown a team, um, it's often the team that goes. Um, but it was great because we have factories in LA, San Francisco, Portugal, Italy, and now one in China, um, and now also a second one in Portugal. And all of them, someone in the team has met in person. Um, I've met four of the six in person, and then the other ones, other people in the team have met. And we also regularly go there. So we meet people on the factory floor, we know the factory managers really well. 
um, our team talks to them every day. So the conditions are, are really good. And that's on the factory side. And then on the fabric mill side, um, most of them are in Italy, some in Taiwan, as I said. We've been to all of them as well, and the one in Italy and then the ones in Taiwan. And on those, on those sides, the um, machines they use and the sustainability of the mills are very important. So it's really important to look out for um, how they use their water, if they reuse their water, what the chemicals are using, if they have um, certifications such as Ecotex and BlueSign, the two big well-known certifications that... Um, go to mills and, and look at the chemicals mills use, etc. So is it more difficult for you than any other brand to, you have to respect, and it's, it's condition that you like and that you want to respect, so is it more difficult for you, like it was to find those people, like how long did you, yeah. did, did it take for you to find those people who were like the perfect collaborators? It took a, it took a longer time than we thought yeah. it would. Um, it took us from starting to launch a year. And our favorite factory that we really liked in the, is the Portugal one. Um, we liked them because they were very technical and they were very sustainable and um, had worked with active brands like Nike, etc., but also with high-end brands like Sandro and Celine. So they were the perfect mix for us. And um, they didn't want to talk to us in the beginning because we were like two people coming from fashion, finance. And so we booked a flight to Portugal and went into the meeting room and did the only thing we knew how to do is do a pres PowerPoint presentation um, and pitched us in. And then they accepted us at some point. Um, but then it still took like six months to kick it off. So it was just like a lot of persistence and <laughs> convincing. And, and so today, like uh, the collection of A-Day, like how many pieces do you have? Because as you say, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, the perfect wardrobe mm -hmm. we don't need too many mm -hmm. so like how many pieces do you propose to your consumers yeah we have about 30 now um, it's interesting because our idea is to create the perfect wardrobe but then there is definitely because women are pretty complex there's depth in two ways one is women even if you pick your seven capsule wardrobe items a lot of them Seven is not enough. They want 30. They want a little bit of, you know, a little bit of um, either different colors or different fabrications or a little bit different variations. And then also um, different women have different body shapes. So what we found is that leggings, for example, we, had, we now have four or five, five different leggings, I think. And track pants, we have two different ones um, or even three if you consider that a track pants. And different body types, body types gravitate towards different styles. Um, so yeah, there's we're 30 now, and there's a ton more opportunity to be building it out. And we get a lot of we do a lot of consumer insights work. Actually, we do a lot of um, surveys when we design. We don't just design blindly. Um, Millie and Amy in London, a design team, are um, regularly putting out surveys to ask our customers like, what do you want to see next? Um, what items are missing in your wardrobe? How can we improve your favorite items in your wardrobe? Um, and what colors do you want to see? What do you want to see? next from us and then we design based on feedback for example right now so just behind you there's like a showroom and yeah. someone is trying your clothes yeah. so can you explain which is why it's me? loud yeah. sorry what was the idea of that like you, you want people to see because you don't have your own shop and if you, if you plan to have one at some point uh, but like it's important to you to have people here try and yeah. like advise them like and so what was the idea also with this show? Yeah, we actually did have a few pop-up shops in London and uh, in, in, in New York and in LA and we currently have one in London in Covent Garden 
on Monmouth Street. Um, I think it's we've pretty quickly realized um, it's different customers have different preferences. So a bunch, the majority orders online and um, orders home, and if it doesn't fit, they like to return. But a lot of them also just want to try it on, and I think it's just preferences. My own preferences. I like to go to people's stores and showrooms, um, and so our customers have always asked for that, and so. So that little showroom here makes so more revenue per square foot than like an Apple store. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, no, but almost. Uh, also, how much is it to buy something from a day? Uh, yeah. Like, what's the prices? We're trying to price super accessible, and by being direct to consumer and cutting out the middleman, essentially, we can give a lot better quality to them. Um, so our best-selling something borrowed shirt is 135. Um, our pants are approximately from 95 to 135 um, and the idea being that being still relatively accessible although not cheap obviously um, but we promise that with each buy it's you, essentially with each item you get five items because you'll wear it so much so how long like what's how long is like the life or I don't know like your pants or like your shirt like how long will it last for the consumer? It depends on the item. I mean, we've only been alive for three years. I have a number of items that I've had since day one. I think our forecast like, is we would want them to be in the closet for either a very long time if you don't wear it that much or just wear through it and wear it over and over and over. So a concept we talk about is the cost per wear and like minimizing the cost per wear. So... Um, We tried to design track pants and leggings and sweatshirts and the something borrowed shirt, our um, best is our best-selling reinvention of the classic white dress shirt, and some of our customers wear it literally every day or every second day. So it's interesting because it's also like the target mm -hmm. consumer. You are completely against. I mean, you are the contrary of the fast fashion, and mm -hmm. which is the trend now. People want to buy something and maybe just throw it after two seasons or after two months. You are proposing something else. So did you feel like there was like some kind of a market to explore? Like because mm -hmm. people around you like were more looking into uh, clothes that they can last and the basic. What do you propose against that trend right mm -hmm. now fast fashion? What do you would you say? Do you think it's a trend? I think I mean I'm also right now I'm 27 yeah. and I like to buy sometime, you know, like go yeah. and just do shopping and buy something very different, but I also want the basic, the black. Like uh, pants or like the white shirt and yeah. something that will, it will last. So yeah. did you realize when you launched it that there was like some kind of a market? Like it was something that were more attractive to people that were not really into fast fashion and. So yeah, no, I mean I threw the question back to you because I I think that um, the trend of fast fashion is definitely there still mm -hmm. um, and it has been very prevalent when I, I would I want to say it's been so prevalent for me when I was a teenager in my early 20s um, however what had happened um, when around the time when we started this in our lives and what we found has happened in the lives of a lot of the women around us is that we actually moved through this idea of wanting to own a bunch of stuff and rather focus on You know how millennials focus on more experiences and as part of that and as part of um, wanting to focus on experience and also travel and, and, and move around, um, move cities um, and be 
be really um, it'll be really easy to like pack up a suitcase and go somewhere else. As part of that, we found that people wanted to get rid of stuff, and that part of book, you know, Marie Kondo, Ma- Magic of Tidying Up, popped up, and yeah. everyone was like, "Oh my God, I want to get rid of everything," and. That trend has exploded the past few years, and it's so it's been so great for us because we have so many customers who come in and are like, "Oh, I've got written of all my stuff. I refuse to buy a ton of fast fashion now. I really want to invest in a few versatile items." And it is so great because we are um, giving you the versatility with each piece. So, I think I mean, luckily. Um, the trend, and I, I definitely still have fast fashion stuff, and, and it's I a good combination. try, yeah, exactly. And I try to, even with fast fashion, I try to have, you know, my Zara, my H&M pieces that I just keep in the closet, and they're more colorful, but I try to keep them for a long time. Um, but luckily, I think people have started to uh, the trend of slow fashion and the trend of better pieces has definitely grown a ton, and I think we're it's part an opportunity for us to like serve that, and then also part of an opportunity to be continuing to spread that message and like making consumers consume smarter. So you are saying something, they say something about the generation, your generation, I mean, people around their mid-twenties, mid-thirties, sustainable fashion is quite like the perfect fit for those people, that's what you're saying. Absolutely, no, and I think it's 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 part pull, part push of um, part pull of people becoming more aware and like wanting better things and fewer less stuff and more quality and and focus on experience instead of buying stuff and protect our planet and wanting to expect the planet uh, expect the planet and then part part push of brands that are started by people who think like we do who want a place to the world to be a better place um, so it all ties together and that's why I think I'm I'm such an optimist personally when it comes to um, our environment and the world and I do believe that people you know I think there's a lot of like dark pictures being painted about world environment and like all of us killing ourselves and future generations I don't think so I think we are realizing you are um, on this next generation oh totally yeah. our own generation next generation yeah we are realizing and like we want the world to be better right yeah. and so how New York is helping you because you are based here mm-hmm. based here so uh, do you did you notice like the what's going on like the this movement of sustainable fashion do you know other designers other brands are you helping each other is there, is there like a community of sustainable fashion in New York um, well I think it's it's, been, it's interesting for us because we're in London and here, so we have a little bit of like a more global perspective, which has been actually been really great because, for, for example, for us, our fabric mills are that are really great in sustainability. The makers, they're in Italy and in Taiwan, so they're not even in the U.S. Um, when it comes to other brands, yeah, there's some like, um, li- like talks and panels and like there's a scene of people who are super duper interested in it. And I think, interestingly, also the mainstream is catching on as well. Like you see now brands who have previously not done a ton in sustainability who are now saying things like recycle and all of that. So that's it's just great that that's happening. And I think those kind of trends accelerate usually. And I would hope this is a trend that's here. It's not just a trend that's here to say. So um, what is like the future of your brand? Like, do you have any project or like? What's like the next step for you? For um, 
Uh, we truly believe in focusing and doing what we're doing really, really well, um, as opposed to spreading ourselves too thinly. So we do want to do more of what we're doing, um, become better, replace even more of our... We've been working on some really cool additional recycled fabrics bits that we um, are going to launch. Um, and yeah, there's a lot more growth to 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 do next year. It's only like the beginning still. Totally. Yeah. We have launched this year, we launched a really fun thing, which we call the uniforms, which is um, the ability to buy a top and a bottom together. Um, and next year we're launching um, capsule wardrobes, meaning the ability to launch to buy a whole capsule together. Nice. And so how do you see the future of fashion and of sustainable fashion? Mm -hmm. What do you think would be important for the future? Maybe educate uh, the consumers, like make, make them more aware? Um, educating is, is a good one because I think uh, something we have noticed or we know for a fact from making this is that um, making things more sustainably comes at a cost. Um, And it's not cheap as a brand to do that. And there are definitely decisions, you know, you have on the costing side and the fabric side and the making side where you can either go for cheap as possible or pay up a little bit and, like, make it better, more sustainable, source a better fabric. And we have done the choices that we pay more, meaning that's why our pieces can't be that cheap either. Um, But it's super important to be keeping edu to educate the consumer about that because otherwise, as a consumer, we know it as well, right? As a consumer, you always look for the cheapest deal and like you want the best price. So, I think um, willingness to pay up for better quality and more sustainably is a huge, huge, huge part that the consumer can can contribute. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nina. It was very great to speak cool. to you. And um, well. I have a good future for the fashion industry. And yes, and thank you so much. I love that you're bringing awareness to all of this. I mean, it's so important. And I think like having these kind of conversations um, and like you bringing in this to future consumers is going to make the world a better place. So I hope it will just yeah. open the eyes and you can of Yeah, you can, you and everyone, you can check us out, um, Google A Day or type in thisisaday.com and then we have an Instagram at thisisaday and if you subscribe to our email list or follow us on Instagram um, we usually post events and post new product launches and all kinds of things so and then I'm on um, at Nina Faulhaber which is a little difficult to spell but I'm sure we're going to have a written version somewhere <laughs> exactly yeah. thank you so much bye thank you for listening Go on Instagram at listen to your art underscore podcast to see the photos of A Day's clothing and more about the artists I have met and this sustainable fashion scene. And listen to the following conversation with Tara St. James. Tara is an expert in sustainability in New York. She launched her ethical brand Study New York in 2009 and now is mentoring new designers who want to become 100% sustainable. We talked about the importance of education and environmental awareness in the fashion industry.